This is Emerging Possibilities, powered by Volvo Group Australia. Here we talk to industry experts about the future of mobility and how it will shape both our lives and the world we live in. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Emerging Possibilities, powered by Volvo Group Australia. My name's Matt Wood, and today I'm joined by our Vice President of Emerging Technologies, Paul Ilmer, and our e-mobility solutions manager, Tim Camilleri. Welcome, guys. We're going to jump into a whole bunch of topics over the course of the next few episodes, and we'll be covering things from sustainability, electromobility, and alternate fuels. So I hope you enjoy it. Paul, Tim, tell us a little bit about yourselves. You go first, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So I've been in the transport industry uh, since about 1997, roughly. I actually started my journey in uh, retail at a dealership in Northern Victoria. But before that, actually, I, I should go back. I um, My introduction, actually, in trucks was my brother. I've got a lot of family members in the transport industry. And when I was younger, my uh, some of my school holidays were spent, actually, in trucks, going from Shepparton into the markets in Melbourne. And, and I guess that then led me, eventually, to work at a dealership in Shepparton, in Victoria, moved to Melbourne, where I was working for Mac. And that was in 2001. And then in 2003, moved to Queensland and started uh, with Volvo Group Australia. And I've been there, this is my 19th year. Been really fortunate, you know, within the Volvo Group to, over the years, I felt like I've worked almost in different companies because I've been really, uh, really lucky to be in product management, project management, you know, with all three brands and, you know, a variety of roles, which has kind of led me to today responsible for emerging technology, which effectively is uh, is anything not fueled by a traditional diesel engine and which is, you know, electromobility and hydrogen and then autonomous vehicles. So that is me. Wow. And uh, what's your pedigree, Tim? <laughs> My pedigree is a little bit different to Paul's. I think, I, you know, more around different things around traffic and transport. So, by trade, I'm a traffic engineer, chartered in that. I started my career on designing uh, development applications and doing the traffic side of things, moving from a private industry through to government, uh, then going to, through to project management of IT solutions at the Department of Transport Main Roads here in Queensland. So through that and looking to combine that together, was lucky enough to get on a project with the Connected and Autonomous Vehicle Initiative at the department. And then from that, go to advisory, both you know for a private uh, engineering company working both here and in uh, Southeast Asia. So I guess, you know, always looking at uh, long-term master plan advisory when it comes to transport application, tra- transport and traffic applications, whether it was EVs, autonomous, uh, all sorts of things of technology infused into those. And and uh, as of recent, uh, very lucky to be part here at Volvo Group Australia as the e-mobility solutions manager, where I bring a lot of, I guess, those backgrounds into working on uh, how we set up this market here and the stakeholder engagement to make sure that it is a success in Australia in general and all these technologies we we look to and try to infuse into the market. So <laughs> it's funny, like, I mean, it's a, it's it's not a bad pedigree really between the two of you in terms of a skill set, but it's probably also fair to say that you both like things with wheels a lot as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, for for me personally, I've always had motorcycles. I've always been a tech head, interested in cars, and a little bit like Tim, I suppose. Um, from an electric vehicle journey, started off with a high powered scooter. And it was interesting <laughs> though when when 
when Tim started, I don't know if it was in the interview, but, you know, we're talking about scooters and, and he goes, uh, yeah, I've got one. And then I worked out he had two. And, uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, he, Tim buys an electric car and then a month or so later I've got one. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's certainly been a natural progression, that's for sure. I suppose on that, like we're seeing so, such a growth in this area. I mean, why is electric mobility important? Like why, why is this something that we're pursuing? It's a good question. And Tim and I were talking before we started recording around, the, the way I think about it sometimes is actually, if you imagine if you started off with electric and somebody said, hey, I've got a project to actually introduce a diesel engine. You sort of think about how that would be received. And the way I think about that then is you look at the efficiencies of electric, safety, drivability, uh, sustainability, and then you kind of think, why, why would you shift away from it? But, but to answer your question directly, there's so much, I think, going for electric as a mobility technology. You know, there's obviously no tailpipe emissions. And again, just the quiet nighttime deliveries, the lack of fatigue as a driver in urban environments in particular, just that that ability to kind of, just to have an easier day, you know, I think, and, and it's such an efficient technology, you know, so. I think I think that's the key word for me. Like we can talk about the sustainability environment and discuss that or argue it, whatever you want to mm-hmm. do. But for me, it comes back and maybe it's the engineer in me is the, is the efficiency of it. Is, is the potential outcome of what this technology can become. And we're not talking about 20 years from now. Mm. We're talking one, five years from now and what it can evolve to and, 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 and be. It's got so much more potential. But you talk about the operations and it's not for every operation, especially in Australia, but mm. in the operations it could and should work in, it is efficient. It is effective. Mm. You know, we talk about large charge times, but if it's if it's a 10-second plug-in in a cable and walk away mm. and pick it up the next day at 100%, whether it's, you know, your truck in operation or your your car at home, never having to go off route to fill up in those applications or that suits for that, it makes a lot of sense. So for me, resoundingly, it's the efficiency of mm. them and the potential they can they can unlock and go beyond in certain circumstances, dis- disadvantages and advantages against the diesel vehicle. It's a fair point. And I think also when you kind of experience electromobility, the answer just comes so so quickly. Like I remember the first electric truck I drove within the Volvo group was was a, a prototype probably three or four years ago and I was sold. Like I was just, you know, you kind of just get this overwhelming sense of this, this technology, you know, as Tim said, for the applications it's in, intended for, is just perfect. And I think um, it's a case too, I think, that for a driver, you know, for a truck driver and the, and the drivers that we've spoken to in our vehicles that once they've been in the vehicle for a period of time, they don't want to get out. Mm. You know, they... Again, it's kind of that mix between well, why user is that? experience. Why, well, like, what, what are they, you know, I come from a transport background mm. too, right? And so, like, I've, I've, ah, the truck's not loud enough, you know, the, I love the sound of the engine brake and all that sort of thing. And now we've got drivers driving electric trucks mm. and they're saying they don't want, like, what are they, what are they saying about that? It, it, it's just easier. Like, it's just an easier drive. Again, it's quieter, there's less vibration. And I think it's just their day to day work just becomes it's just easier and 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 again at the end of the day that kind of report that they just feel fresher yeah so i think you've dialed there paul was you know talking about the driver's perception of it and how how easily it takes on you know the drivers the drivers we've we've witnessed or spoken to they're almost protective over those trucks the other part as well for me you know personally driving at matt we've been driven together is is that 
the lack of a gear shift. And it's not much, but just that wobbling around, you know, as you keep on going through the, you know, the drive, you know, the, these vehicles, you know, the, our vehicles have a two-speed gearbox. I think, you know, once you're running up and running, you're not having that shift of momentum. It, that's also easy, adding to the lack of vibrations, the lack of noise, mm. and all the rest of it, you know, from the driver's perspective, really adds up. So... A lot of this is being framed within making the world a better place, right? So, like our city's a better place to be. Volvo Group has a wider sort of sustainability kind of um, goal. I think we'll, we'll mm-hmm. probably have a, a fossil-free lineup by 2040 to mid 2050. So, taking that sort of environmental side mm-hmm. of things in a, into consideration, there's a lot of talk about EV batteries that they're environmentally problematic. That they've got a finite lifespan. Mm-hmm. I mean. They're energy intensive to make. So are we just sort of shifting the problem around a little bit or? That's spoken about a lot. And I think what we see and probably what what changed a little bit with my journey in this space is sort of learning more and more about that is the fact that the battery has a first life in mobility, but then it'll have a second life and perhaps a third life. And, and the fact that the precious metals in the batteries can be recycled. And, you know, if you think about where the second life of the battery could go to, which could be energy storage for hospitals or schools and things like that, I think there's there's going to be this whole second battery life industry that emerges, which is going to be such a benefit to the broader society that that question will just kind of, it'll, it'll disappear because everybody will experience it in some way, shape or form, I think. I think, yeah, it's right, Paul, in terms of the fact that once that economy, that business, that operations, that model is is established, it's going to be seen as as normal. And, you know, we a lot of people compare the original manufacturer of the battery and that's it. We're talking about, you know, and most of the industry, not just us, mm. heavy or passenger vehicles is warranted for around that eight-year life of in-motion life in a vehicle. How long it then retains as energy storage, you know, stationary energy storage is is to be seen, but as, as long, if not longer, again. Mm. And then we talk about the recycling of it. Most companies are aiming for high 90% recycling of the commodities and the, and the materials that are mm. in the batteries. So their second manufacturing life of the battery, it isn't going to be as energy intensive on the on the get-go as well. So they'll have a even better chance. They've already, they're already mined, they're already refined. Mm. We get to see a lot of outcomes for that. It's it, you know, I think narrowly thinking about that first production and and what takes there as opposed to how it moves on throughout the battery's seamlessly never-ending life. Mm. We get a lot of, again, efficiencies and benefits out of that in, in terms of sustainability. I think also it's it's a little bit like the question that comes around green energy. And it's kind of like, well, you know, you've got these these electric vehicles and, and you know, they're not all of them are powered by green energy, but you have to start somewhere. Like if you kind of wait for everything to line up perfectly, you just won't start. So I think the fact and sort of I'm really proud of with the Volvo Group to have that vision to kind of start the production of, of electric trucks in 2019. Obviously with electric bus, we started way before that. But I think just to start somewhere and then sort of wait for the other areas of the value chain to then sort of catch up and things to connect. And But again, I think you have to start somewhere and, and I'm proud of the fact that we have. Another element, though, when we're talking about this sort of thing, like, you know, so there's the battery life cycle, but the discussion around the sort of getting the minerals in the first place, Mm. and we've all seen some pretty horrid imagery of, like, you know, kids working in holes trying to get the minerals we need to build batteries and stuff like that. Yet Volvo Group has quite a strong stance on sourcing things ethically. How do we ensure that Mm. we're not engaging in that, even inadvertently, right? Mm. Like, I mean, there's no real excuse to say I didn't know. We're starting a bit of a revolution, I suppose, in mobility. You need to be Mm. across the entire 
process? That's a great question. And I think uh, Volvo Group values and the way that we conduct our business in an ethical value-driven way. I mean, from what we call GTP, being group trucks purchasing, I mean, they, they have rigorous, rigorous standards around this and conduct audits. And I mean, that's certainly one area that we just never have any concern about. And and again, I think the Volvo Group have just demonstrated that, you know, over years of, of business and procurement that they... Um, regardless of the impact on business, they just won't conduct business in an unethical way. Yeah, okay. It's just, I suppose, the conversation or the arguments that we're seeing around electric vehicles, we see the same sort of things come up again. But I suppose, especially we were just talking about earlier, like the upsurge in inquiry, like, you know, the people that you, you guys are speaking to all the time. Now, who is, what is driving this push with customers? Like, I mean, we've got Volvo Group has its targets and its missions, but this has been driven by something else. Well, I guess I can reflect on the Australian market and what we're trying to establish here is that it's driven by a wide variety, whether it's government, private organisations, from large to small, everyone's at least inquiring and looking at conversions of those into sales and people getting vehicles into their fleet and operating. I don't think, to be fair, there's no set segment you can really talk to that's going to grow faster than the other. It seemed to be an even distribution throughout the different models there and, and businesses. But I think the largest push we're, we're probably seeing from why is around those sustainability goals, whereas at a board level, a strategic level, but also a lot of companies, I think, you know, coupled with that is having that foresight and planning to think about what does my future look like? As in, I, this is going to come, I'm going to have a contractual obligation or, you know, whatever it is at a certain percentage start now, as Paul said, you know, it's about starting now. It's about having a think about if I get one truck, 10 trucks, how do I expand to what my overall goals are? And, you know, that's a that's been a big driver as well is, is understanding in the real world what these requirements are going to you know, see for these companies and having them ready to expand upon that. And I think, you know, in the Australian market, that's, you know, those, those are the, see what, I, what we're seeing is the biggest drivers, companies wanting to do, you know, fulfill those needs of their own. Yeah, no, I, there's not much for me to add there. I think that that's a really good summary. And, and I think what's changed is the fact that we have trucks and, and, and we have an end-to-end solution. And, and I think then, you know, our traditional customer base, I think, understands that from the batteries to the 600-volt cabling to whatever. So I think then our traditional customers and sort of we're bringing those those customers along with us because really apart from the fact that you know we have an ecosystem we have a really structured way to then design a solution around the customer's business apart from that their interaction is with the same dealer it's going to be with the same salesperson for example so so as tim said it's kind of a mix of our traditional customer base and then other customers that they may not be our traditional customers. They, they may be transport buyers who are then saying, hey, this, after a couple of conversations with us, they're going, oh, this is pretty straightforward. And I think there's those proof points in the market now as well that it's not difficult. And, and I mean, I can only speak for us as Volvo Group, but we're not waiting for anything. You know, it's all there and it's ready. And we've seen a couple of different sort of even business models pop up globally. Like we had the recent announcement in North America with, uh, mm. you know, 50 trucks, basically, I need a truck, I pay a subscription, I get the truck. You know, like it's fascinating to see 
outside of just the efficiencies that electromobility can bring, like you guys were saying earlier, mm. but also the potential for different business models as well. So it's a pretty exciting time. I kind of feel like we're on the, on the verge of steam to internal combustion, but a century later. I think overall it's, it's giving us, our customers, the industry, businesses, the opportunity to trial things, you know, to think about how we could all better operate. So, you know, nothing's really off the table anymore. Let's look at things, different ways of, you know, financing, operating, all the rest of it. And it gives everyone seemingly a, a license to at least explore it rather than continuing, you know, the existing. And for whatever reason it is, I think it's new because it's, you know, we're all learning together. We're trying to work out the best way to do it, you know, where we're really looking at being entrepreneurial as, as we come into these spaces and, and see what we can do. Uh, you know, talking to Paul's point before and we're really operating, you know, us at Volvo Group are really starting to operate this as a partnership, not a transaction. And we're trying to understand how we can all work together to best break down the mm. barriers to make this a, a possibility. So there's no silly question. There's nothing off the table. I said before, nothing off the table. Let's look into everything and getting the best outcome for the operating environment from a, a manufacturer ourselves, an operator, however else it is. So a lot of things adding together to sit there and be able to do the best we can do, mm. make it easy as possible. Yeah, no, it, it's a good point, Tim. And I think, you know, our, our global CEO, Martin Lindstedt, has a the phrase that partnership is a new leadership. And I think in this area, that is so true. It just lends itself to so much, I think, disruption. And, and I think even the business model and the environment around, you know, electric trucks that we see today, I think is going to be rapidly, you know, it'll be different in 10 years. And, and I think where I feel that we're fortunate is we start off with with a really solid base, and that is you know decades of you know, engineering, design, manufacturing, and it wasn't part of the original question, but I, I, I should have sort of mentioned earlier that for me, it's just an incredibly exciting time to be part of the you know the transport industry, and and to the point where you know as I mentioned earlier, a lot of my family are in the transport industry, and I never I never thought I would see them calling me and asking me around electric trucks. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're dyed-in-the-wool traditional yep. diesel guys. And um, we're seeing it, yeah, yeah, we're seeing it everywhere. I think a classic part about that is moving back to the driver experience is, you know, we have these people who are, you know, said dyed-in-the-wool, diesel, 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 but get them in and experience it, have a go at the truck. They're converted to some extent. They're willing to accept it. And I think that's you know, where we are right now and, and we'll only ever grow from there in terms of, you know, if we can see these people come along the journey or, you know, we have the first use cases and we, we grow from there as a technology, the reliance, the normalization of it expands and will be mm. ever expanding. We're going to see more and more saturation growing into this market, whether mm. it's Australia or abroad, mm. it's going to happen. Well, if you look at what's happening in the automotive world, you've got a lot of big brands now just going, um, right, that's it, no more development to internal mm. combustion. Um, a lot of the uh, prestige brands have just gone, we're going to be EV only. Um, revivals of brands as an EV mm. only brand and stuff like that. I mean, is this the death of the diesel in terms of development? Like, are we just like, yeah, that's the diesel. Yeah, that's the job. Leave it. And we're concentrating on electromobility or are we going to continue to develop it? Is there going to be sort of a push to make it more efficient? Or? It's, a, it's a great question and it's one that we're asked a lot. And I think Volvo Group have a really pragmatic way to look at it, and, and that is different energy types or a different energy mix for different applications. And we we don't see the diesel engine 
going anywhere for a long time. I mean, if I think about out west and up north, you know, heavy B doubles, B triples, you know, those applications that that need a considerable amount of range, they're carrying heavy loads. I don't think the diesel engine's going anywhere. But what I do think is that over time, electromobility will then start to displace diesel in those applications and segments where it makes sense. And I think there will also be a mix of hydrogen come in as well. And it's, you know, it's really early to kind of try and predict what that should and could look like. But again, you know, if I kind of, uh, is, is a slide that, that, that myself and Tim present a lot. And it's really just to give almost comfort to the industry that this isn't a revolution where electric replaces everything. And we try and be really honest about that because I think we've got, we've got an obligation to be sort of very transparent and say, hey, in some segments, electric makes perfect sense. And in fact, it is better than diesel for a lot of reasons. But in some segments, diesel makes the most sense and will for a long time. Well, can I buy an electric truck now? Like, is that, and, and how do I go about that? Like, you know, do I just go, hey, Tim, how much is it? Like, it's funny, actually, before you answer that, I think what's really interesting is, um, and we're all geeky about electric things, so, right, but the, you speak to people that are curious about it. The first thing they, they ask is, how far does it go? How long does it take to charge? And how much does it carry? Or varying degrees on, on that. Um, I, I know uh, I've kind of derailed the discussion here, but I think it's really interesting. Mm. It's time after time. It doesn't matter whether you turn up in your car or on your scooter mm. or in a truck. It's a consistent sort of line of questioning. Are you getting that? Uh, do you have standard answers for that? Mm. Like We get it. We, we get it a lot, mm. but we don't probably have a standard answer for it because you know I think the solution needs to be tailored for the application. It's not just a... Uh, Here's how much. Here's the keys. Let's walk away. That's a very smooth answer. You just like <laughs> false do that anyway. But you know, it's 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 not just that straight transaction. It, it, you know, for us, and you know, I've got a consulting background, advisory background. I, I really enjoy the partnership journey we go on with people mm. to understanding their business, understanding their motivations for why they're here, why we're talking, and helping them through their journey. And and to be fair, working together to make sure that a product we're putting in to their application works for them and everything around it works for them. So if we have you know, knowledge of the industry and who's playing and what parts of it, recommending that or passing them on to make sure that it can be as turnkey solution as is, as, as complex as it feels and you know probably is perceived to be, it doesn't have to be. And in understanding each other and working together, we can get a really great outcome together to promote this and, and, and grow, it, grow the industry together. It's probably been, you know, the way it's been before is, you know, how much thank you buy. But I don't, in, in Volvo with diesel or electric, it's not that way. There's, mm. there's handover, there's driver training, all the rest of it. When it comes to the electric side of things, there's some unknowns. So we like to break those down, give as much information as we can to, you know, appease that those barriers and, and make sure that people are, are comfortable with the journey they're going on and they have all the answers they need to make sure this vehicle is going to work for them in their application and expand upon that. And to be fair, you know, we get to the level where we're not just talking about the one truck. We're talking about how does this look to the future? So helping them to lay out their roadmap, their strategic roadmap against our, I guess, product or technology roadmap as well to make sure they're, they're informed of, of when they should be asking certain questions as well and thinking about certain applications. So how, how do you do that? Like is it a case of like, you know, are you looking at the duty cycle of, of what they do now and seeing how that can be done with an electric vehicle? Or are you looking at, at just a freight task and in general and just seeing how you could carve it up, charging infrastructure? I mean, at what point do you 
step in and step out? Are you in charge of the whole lot or? You know, I think the best way to kind of think about it is is really, you know, as Tim said, first to understand the why and then to really look at what the customer uses today. Actually, I should go back a step and say that, you know, we're in a really fortunate position where we have what's called an energy range simulator. It's a proprietary Volvo tool that then allows us to go in and plug in the customer journey to look at, you know, what the customer's carrying, then the diminishing nature of that, how many times a vehicle's going to stop. Is, is there any auxiliary consumers? Is there a tail lift? Is there a crane? How many times they'll be operated? With that tool, we can then sort of look at a starting point and and determine if the truck will kind of make the journey. That's one thing. But then if it won't, we can then say, okay, so what would that look like with five batteries? What would that look like if there was a, a charging event? You know, and it gets back to a phrase that, that, that we kind of, or an agreement that we kind of had internally within the Volvo group when we started this journey. And that was we would play it with a straight bat, that we would be really clear with customers, you know, where the product worked and and where it didn't, and that we wouldn't treat customers as, as science experiments. I mean, I couldn't think of anything worse of, of, of sort of saying to a customer, look, there's an electric truck here, let's just kind of try it and see what happens. I think to be a trusted partner of choice and to have a, you know, a long-term partnership, as Tim said earlier, to then help grow the customer into a higher level of electromobility where it makes sense, you really have to do that. You have to de-risk the journey and then make sure you're asking the right questions, you know, as Tim said. I think, Paul, that comes back to the partnership. You know, we want this to be as much of a success as they do. We want to see these vehicles being successful and grown and all the rest of it. And so putting them into the right applications and growing from there, I think, does the best thing for the industry overall in terms of understanding how and which we should play. It's, it's, they mm. still have four wheels, you know, still have wheels, they still have a steering mm. wheel, right, right pedal still goes forward. But, you know, there's those nuances about how they operate. So let's learn, let's all learn together, let's all understand it so we can have a solid basis to grow forward. Mm. If we see high risk events or failures, you know, we, uh, we'd set back the whole industry. And I, I don't think, you know, anyone, anyone out there would mm. want us to be doing that. So, you know, for our own good conscience, the customers and for the industry as a whole, I think gaining all that information, treating like a true partnership, having your own skin in the game and, and justification for why you're doing it really makes a difference. Yeah, I think as well, a few of us have been around in the, in the days where, you know, CNG and LNG were kind of, you know, sort of touted as, as a, a great alternative back in 2007 and 2008. And I think that was a good example of sort of treating customers as, as science experiments and, you know, not 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 in a negative way, but I should probably say that the industry, you know, is in the phase of, of sort of experimenting with it and and we've got the opportunity to do it differently and to do it better this time. It's funny you say that. Um, I was actually in a depot in Sydney a couple of weeks ago and there was like an undergrowth covered CNG tank in the corner of the depot and I sort of pointed it out and I don't want to talk about let's learn from you know let's learn those prior those prior lessons i think as well and yeah and that's what we instilled now and what we're going to do going forward is you know making sure that we have the right justifications for what we're doing it's not just a you know and i'm not talking about lng but you know it's not just a whim let's try Mm. this out educatedly process driven data driven 
outcomes to I think one of the important points out of all of that though is that um, the motivation now for trying these things is so completely different right like so back when we were you know uh, experimenting with alternate fuels it's because we're worried about well just fuel price driven mm. right so now it's a wider environmental emissions driven concern so it kind of um, the case for doing it and trying it and 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 um, finding a solution is is a lot different. No, exactly right. There was a really good quote actually by a Volvo Trucks International president. I don't know if you've heard this, Matt, but it was a meeting, I don't know, maybe six months ago, and he was sort of talking to, um, uh, he saw one of the markets around, you know, the why, and he had this great kind of phrase around the fact that when our kids kind of look at us in 10 or 15 years and say, why didn't you do something around climate change, you know, it's just great to be, I think, working in an area where where you are, like you are you are doing something and, and kind of, you know, we speak about it sometimes, you know, with myself and Tim, that you can sort of go home every, every, every evening, throw your head in a pillow and think, yeah, I've, I've actually, you know, moved the needle a little bit. And, you know, if we don't, I think collectively, if we don't all have good intent and put good energy into this, then it's kind of hard to answer that in a good way. You know? Yeah. So, well, that's it. Well, <laughs> On that, what does the future hold? Like, I mean, uh, you know, we've we've already seen some advancements in in our own product just in battery technology, mm-hmm. right, in the last couple of years. But, like, I mean, things seem to be accelerating really quickly. I mean, what's the future hold, you know, especially in Australia? <sighs> wow. <It's a> big, <laughs> <laughs> Where do we start? Inquiring minds want to know, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing I'll say is I think we're at the point now where we're reaching some good product stability. So I think we're kind of, as you mentioned before, with the transition with battery technology, and that's tangible, you know, that that's tangible improvements in battery technology, thermal management of things like that. I think we're, we're going to enter a, a period of of stability with the core product, but I think there'll be, there'll be these offshoots of technology disruptive breakthroughs, which uh, are going to be, quite incredible. So so I don't think the whole platform will change or anything. You'll 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 have good stability, but just these breakthroughs that that myself and Tim sometimes, you know, will leave a meeting and kind of just be sort of quiet and, and, and have to gather our thoughts for a little while because we've, you know, it's just it's just hyper growth and, and, and it's just incredibly exciting. So to try and answer your question directly, it's just an age of disruption. I think for me I I just can't wait. I can't mm. wait to see what the future holds. You talk about these minor improvements or, you know, big breakthroughs and cumulatively what they can achieve and, and go through. Like we're at the start of, as an industry, we're at the start of electrification of transport. We've had internal combustion since, what is it, 1890 or something like that. You know, electrification used in, in moving vehicles has only really just started the ability to optimise and, and grow the technology and, and refine it and all the rest of it. I think, you know, what we'll see when is to be seen, but you know, from my point of view, it might be the first time I've I've ever seen projected timeframes of technology releasing coming shorter and shorter mm. as we go through. You know, we're not we're not pushing out projects further and further. We're seeing you know things coming sooner rather than later, and you know, people talk about all sorts of different technologies and optimizations and all the rest of it. But you know, they've they've all essentially been on the cards. They've all been reviewed. They've all been considered, and what's going to work for us or work for the industry is to be seen. But we're going to see an amazing amount of growth in what these products can do and what they will be used for. Well, that all sounded very enigmatic. It sounds like you guys know stuff that I don't and you're holding out <laughs> on me. 
<laughs> Look, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thanks, Paul, and thanks, Tim. Thank you for listening, and I hope you can join us again for another episode of Emerging Possibilities. Thank you for listening to Emerging Possibilities. Send your comments, suggestions, and questions to emerging.possibilities at volvo.com. And of course, remember to rate and review this show.